1: We're lawyers, mothers, and co-hosts of the bipartisan podcast, Pantsuit Politics. We have
0: more in common than divides us. In a world
1: that defaults to false dichotomies, we explore the messiness of living wisely.
0: The choices, trade-offs, priorities, and grace of living a nuanced life. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us for the nuanced life today. We are going to do something special today. We have a question that our listener Sarah posed, it's kind of a big question. So we're going to spend the entire episode talking about Sarah's question today. But before we do... This Saturday, we're going to be in Louisville with Amy McGrath as part of our Nuance Nation tour. There are tickets still available, just a few, though, for Louisville. And there are more than a few tickets available in D.C. and Dallas, but they are going quickly. So be sure to hop on to our website. The show notes will show you the link to get your tickets for the Nuance Nation tour. We love connecting with everyone in person. We will also be at Evolving Faith in Denver in early October. If you can't be there in person but would like, there are streaming passes available so you can participate in the event online. And we just cannot wait to connect with that community. We know it's going to be a beautiful experience. I am sure we will commemorate that experience here on The Nuanced Life once it's over. And so hopefully many of you will join us there.
1: So Sarah writes to us, Do you guys have any book, article, blog recommendations that have shaped your understanding of grace and living wisely? Sarah has a master's in public health, and she left a household that's particularly right. She feels like she's climbed the socioeconomic ladder and doesn't fit in well in either world. And so she's trying to understand The idea of a lack of grace, how to give grace, understanding the other side. She's a public health researcher, so she's coming to it from that angle. She says, even as a secular agnostic woman, I deeply resonate with your view of grace and how to live a wiser life. It seems to be a more complete view of the world and has already started to reshape my work in relationships. So she's looking for additional resources for that. And all I have to say is, Oprah, thank you for joining us for another episode of The Nuanced
0: Life, everybody. Is that good? Is that good? (laughs) Does that that work? I do think that Oprah is hosting a lot of very important discussions about this. Now, do I 100% get excited about every single person that she talks to on Super Soul Conversations, for example? No, I do not. And I think you have to be careful because there are occasionally sort of threads of what sounds like prosperity gospel or something. Mm,
1: Adjacent. Yeah. Listen, she's had Joel Osteen on there. When I look back at my own journey through thinking about these bigger concepts, the conversations she was particularly hosting on The Oprah Show were so huge, especially because I was such such a formative age. She tells this amazing story about the first time a woman came on her stage and said, you need to put yourself on the list. You need to take care of yourself first. How she basically almost had a revolt in the audience because that was so counterculture. The idea that women were were worthy on their own, not through their roles. I think the being able to give grace and seeing the worth and in, in people outside of their roles, outside of their behavior, outside of their accomplishments is the first step in this process. And I think she, man, especially when it came to women, In the 90s, she was doing that work, and I was soaking it up as a young girl. The idea that, like, you just have worth because you are here and you're a child of God, and you don't have to prove it to anybody, and you don't have to give and give and give because until there's nothing left to be deserving of grace. And it's gonna be really difficult to give grace and to be kind and to give if you cannot take care of yourself first, if you cannot recognize your own worth. I mean, I just I can't overemphasize the importance of that voice in my head as I started to grow and mature and explore those concepts.
0: I didn't really have that voice in my head. I would say that my thoughts about grace really came more as an adult and were shaped specifically by Anne Lamott's writing. Mm -hmm. What I love about Anne Lamott is how irreverent she is about spirituality. She questions faith, even as she leans into it hard. And I think the paradox of her writing felt like a gift of oxygen to me, because it's not that I've ever really doubted my faith, but I have certainly doubted how my faith translates to how I view myself and my place in the world and how I interact with other people. And I think that Anne Lamont's story of just falling down, getting back up, falling down, getting back up, doing it all with humor and with lightness and with no sense that you're really entitled for that pattern to go A, B, A, B, A, B has really shaped my understanding of what it just means to be a person and to be living and to, to know that my experience of living is kind of the same as my dog's experience of living. And that when I look at it through that lens, my expectations get calibrated to a much more meaningful place. For me,
1: the spiritual journey in particular really shifted in my late 20s when I had children. And I did abandon my faith. I think there were a huge number of years outside of college through law school in my early 20s where I would not have described myself as a person of faith. I feel like the lessons of grace really hung in there despite that. But my ability to come back to the conversation, to go back to church, to have faith journey that felt more welcoming and less prescriptive came from a few resources. Emily Freeman's Grace for the Good Girl was huge for me. This idea that building on what, you know, sort of what I heard oprah telling me but in a different perspective which was it's not just that you can't mess it up but you can't you can't earn additional grace we all just are given this grace it's not like you can be a good enough girl and get good enough grades and check all the boxes and do all the things and climb the ladder and then you'll be deserving of more because that's not how it works um that book was really really i think an important first step on me re-examining some of the ideas i held about my own worth and and the worth of other people um Of course, Jen Hatmaker, not just her work, but meeting her and having conversations with her and seeing this woman further along on the journey who I felt like held a lot of authority, relieving me of some of the pressure and ideas that I think I held from my religious upbringing. Richard Rohr, Marcus Borg, really people who are out, Rob Bell, huge voices, I think, in the space developing other narratives and just picking apart some of the stories we tell ourselves about faith and about grace and in our relationship to one another as human beings and what the role people of faith have in that process. I mean, they were huge voices for me. I still remember the podcast I listened to with Rob Bell and Richard Ward, where he talked about we, we're still stuck on Zeus we still see as god as Zeus up in the as up in the clouds you know manipulating us like puppies and throw or puppets and throwing down thunder strikes and i think that just hearing sort of voices willing to step out and say you know i don't think it's like that it's okay you can hold these sort of paradoxical views about christianity and human beings and grace and our relationship to one another and that's okay and giving voice to that those that was a huge part of my journey to being able to articulate the role that grace plays in my life and to be able to articulate my values too. Like, hearing people say, Oh, this part of Christianity is wrong and it's not important to me, and I don't think it holds value, especially some stuff that I'd been taught my whole life was like essential, was really empowering to begin those conversations and to think through those things on my own.
0: I've talked about this before, but reading Rachel Held Evans' book, Inspired, has helped me so much. Parenting a child, because, you know, Jane and I were reading her kid's Bible, and it talked about the serpent in Genesis. And Jane looked at me and she was like, do you think this is a real thing? Because I really don't. And I said, no, and I don't think that's the point. And having some language from Rachel's book to be able to say here's what the point is and that the this book is about why not how necessarily was so important to me. We're talking about all of this through the lens of faith because I think our initial understandings of grace and even probably our use of the word grace to describe what we mean has been formed through that lens. Maybe we'll take a quick break and come back and talk about this from a more secular perspective.
1: but I don't want to have broken down skin at the next big moment in my life. Whether you're getting married or you're going on a first date, job interviews, high school reunions, which we talked about on Pantsuit Politics, or just a girl's night out, we all want to look our best. And what really sucks is that there are so many products out there. How are you supposed to know if what you're buying is right for you? But we found the perfect solution, and the best
0: part of it is it's free. It's called Beauty by Design, and here's how it works you take a quick skin survey, and you snap a selfie, you pay shipping and handling, and voila $60 of free products come to attack your top skin concern. You'll be matched with an esthetician who curates a personalized skincare routine specifically for you, your skin, and your top concern. It's true personalization. Beauty by Design has over 100 products and 250-plus natural performance ingredients that are vegan, cruelty-free, and paraben-free and sulfate-free. There's no obligation to try before you buy, free shipping after your free trial order, and free returns, making this risk-free. Haven't you always been curious about what is best for your skin? Find
1: out now for free, just pay shipping and handling. To experience the world's most personalized skincare for free, go to beautybydesign.com life and use promo code LIFE today to start your free trial. No risk, only better skin rewards.
0: This isn't exactly a resource, but as I was thinking about Sarah's question, it occurred to me that part of my understanding of grace, and this is true from a faith perspective and a secular perspective, has been enhanced, shaped, refined just by learning about the experiences of people who are different from me. One of the places I think about grace the most is in my work with the Ohio Justice and Policy Center, where we talk about criminal justice reform. The more time you spend with people who have been incarcerated, the more time you hear you spend listening to stories of what even brief periods of incarceration do to families. I think it really is formative in an understanding that people are people and that the difference between us is so minimal in terms of how our lives operate and what's important to us and what we really want to do in the world. I think a lot as I listen to Senator Kamala Harris talk about the impact on college attendance rates in Black children of having a Black teacher early in life and the recognition that I didn't have a Black teacher until I was in law school. And so the less insular my experiences are, the more time I spend listening to and hearing from people and, you know, not just racial diversity, but. All sorts of life experiences, even just cultural experiences, having grown up in different states or in families that value different things than my family values, it creates both a sense of, um, gosh, sometimes guilt even for the, all of the ways that people have been oppressed, but also a sense of lightness, like this, this understanding that there are lots of ways to live. I don't have to be trapped in one.
1: I think for my more secular part of this journey a huge resource it's also you could you could do the we'll read this thank you for joining us joke with this person too is Brene brown
0: planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
1: I mean, I think her work on vulnerability and authenticity and really what we share as human beings and the ways in which we've avoided vulnerability in the past and the fact that it's really not serving us as a culture. Um, I don't think she uses the word grace. I think the way she uses vulnerability often is a stand-in for the idea of grace, which is we all have inherent worth and we're all um, a part of the this community and have a role to play. I love her work. I think it was huge. For me, in understanding um, just that next step, I think her work is such an invitation as opposed to an instruction. I think she does such a good job of of leaving you as a reader or as a person watching her talks, um, feeling like you've gained a better understanding of yourself and thinking through the ways that you can really put her work and her ideas into practice. Um, so, I mean, I love I love me some Brené. I'm not alone um, in that for that reason. And I think sort of along your the lines of just understanding different perspectives and having that layer, this this additional depth on concepts like grace or concepts like vulnerability. I don't really think pop culture <laughs> gets enough credit for this. I think a huge part of my development and thinking through um, where is my perspective limited? What do I not understand? How do I feel about this? Has been books and movies and television shows and plays that have made me uncomfortable or have forced me to think about things or situations that I'd rather not. Um, To the point now that I look for that in um, movies and books and, and just artists out there who are asking us to think about these things, pushing us to um, tackle hard parts of our history, hard parts of our um, cultural stories. I really don't think that, that that can be underestimated. You know, the work of Ava DuVernay or the work of Lynn manuel Miranda, also a gift to humanity in the, in the realm of Oprah, to say... See how this story that is so different from you can also illuminate all the ways that we are the same. And isn't that special? I love that quote Oprah uses on Super Soul time, that art is like a prayer. And so I think, you know, when we're talking about the the work of living wisely, I don't think sometimes it doesn't always have to feel like work, right? Sometimes it can feel like um, a really beautiful film or a novel that just rocks you. And I think that that is a really important resource
0: as well. I find that connection more through poetry. There is something about reading a Billy Collins poem, for example, that just makes me feel like I belong more. The way that he attaches real significance to inanimate objects or to quick moments in time or a a glance. There's something about the the way a poem just packs in all this meaning to really simple experiences that's always resonated with me. And I've loved poetry my entire life. I've tried to write poetry for most of my life because it it gives me the sense of what I think we really try to say with grace, which is, Wherever you are, we need you and we need your way. And poems for me have always, been, have, have always been kind of my invitation to the party. Like, oh, your way has a place here. And I think that's been true for you, Sarah, as you said, with film and with novels and, and more long form art. And I think for many people, visual art gives that same kind of cue. But I think that that gets to something I was considering as you were talking about Jen Hatmaker earlier, Sarah. I appreciate Jen Hatmaker for her Instagram presence as much as anything. Now she has personally been kind and generous with us and and I think of her as a wonderful friend and mentor. I also though just get so much grace from her Instagram posts where she says here here is a piece of toast that you know how to, you need to know how to make because life is hard and we should love our toast. Or let me tell you about a struggle that we're having in my family right now. And I just want you to know that we struggle and so do you. And that's fine. I think because of the phase of life that I'm in, those little daily doses of you are OK, everything is fine. Keep a sense of humor about it. Also, it's fine to feel enormous amounts of pain throughout this journey. That's been really helpful to me. And I'm, I'm sure there will be phases of life where a different form touches me more deeply. Right now, those quick reminders are invaluable to me.
1: I also want to take a beat and say that there have been innumerable resources in the classic sense of the term. Books, novels, celebrities, television shows, um, important writers, important thinkers, important influencers that have been a really valuable resource in my life on this journey, you know, to understanding grace and to being able to articulate my values. And at the same time, when I was growing up watching Oprah, my one criticism, and I don't have very many of Oprah because I love her, is that it often felt like this pressure as a young person, like you needed to find your passion and you needed to, um, you know, you needed to know what fueled your fire and do that work. And it, it, it really I remember feeling like, but what if I don't know what it is or um, what if I just feel lost and I can't articulate the thing that's most important to me or my values or whatever. And I don't want, just because we've sort of abandoned the language of find your passion, which it does seem like we've done uh, to a large extent as a culture, to fill it in with something else and make the same mistake again, which is if you just understand this, if you just know this, if you read this book or listen to this podcast, you can skip the hard work of just being a human being. That is really... I think, what gets you along this path more than anything else. Brene Brown and Richard Rohr and Jen Hatmaker have been hugely influential in my life. But the reason that at certain moments I was ready for their words is because I was suffering, because I was growing up, because I was screwing up, because people were failing me, because people were dying— Um, because I was experiencing trauma or tragedy, because I was becoming a mother and all the intensity that that brought to my life and the clarification on the other end of that intensity. And so, you know, what I want to say to Sarah is climbing that ladder, feeling left out in both worlds. That's your resource. You don't need resources to get through that. That is your resource. That's what's going to teach you more than any book or podcast or play that we could recommend, is those moments, those thin places where we we struggle and we're trying to figure out who we are and we're thinking about what matters and what doesn't. If we're living up to our values, what are our values? I mean, that's your teacher more than anything else. And that you can't, you can't skip that as much as I wish you could, as much as I wish that for my own children. I wish I could set them down with a Brené, book, Brené Brown book and let them skip all the very painful experiences of vulnerability that can teach you more than anything else. But you can't. Uh, you wouldn't want to if you could. So I think you're already on the journey, Sarah, and I, I hope that some of what we've talked about gives you further resources. But don't miss that. The journey is the the biggest teacher of all.
0: I was just going to add, you were going in a direction similar to my thoughts, Sarah, that I think other people have been the best resources for me on grace, much more than anything I've ever read or kind of consumed. And if I could go back to myself like much earlier in life, I think the advice that I would give about other people and grace is to look for friends who treat you almost like the, the most idyllic version of a mother. Because the more I surround myself with people who always give me the benefit of the doubt, who look at me in terms of my needs and encourage me to have needs. You know, Um, I think for a lot of my life, my personal struggle with grace has been feeling like I am here to meet needs, not have them. And it can be both, but it's taken me a long time to learn that. I think about experiences of grace that are kind of overwhelming and how they've impacted me. And I think about things like being on the road for Pantsy Politics and getting really sick and having my friend Tracy like actually putting her hand on my forehead to see if I had a fever and Elise running out to get me a Diet Coke when I feel like I'm like dizzy and can't stand up any longer. And just the way that people around me, you know, Sarah, you're so good at saying things like, I'm going to need a snack now. And that is what grace looks like for me, that acceptance of just, here I am, a person in a body who, who needs things and who needs things physically and needs them emotionally. That has been such a great teacher to me of grace. And so I would encourage you, listener Sarah, as you're thinking more about resources to look around you and see who best teaches you to embody grace, because that's the thing. And this is why we use grace instead of civility a lot in a political context, I don't think grace is a technique. I think it's something that you have to feel inside your bones, you know, and you have to feel it to a depth that you're just constantly moving toward. And. The only way to do that is to is to feel your feelings. So like you were just saying, Sarah, some of those feelings are terrible feelings, but you have to feel them to get to grace. And I think that you have to connect with other people. I do not think grace can ever be a solo endeavor.
1: Without a doubt, no, it cannot be a solo endeavor. And it's an endeavor that doesn't come without bumps and bruises and scrapes and breaks. And while I do... Think without a doubt, those voices that you can consume—the Oprahs, the Brenes—can be a balm to the soul during those moments. A hug or a a handheld is a much bigger bigger gift. I think when we're going through tough things and we're on that journey, and when we're trying to figure out our worth and our part in this this community,
0: we hope that you are all surrounded by grace and grace teachers, and. That you will share with us some of your experiences of grace via email and in commemorations. What a wonderful thing to commemorate. Every time my friend Brandon hugs me, I should write a commemoration about it. It's the best. <laughs> you know. So I hope that you have so many experiences like that in your life. We will be on Pantsuit Politics on Friday, sharing a conversation with Sarah Riggs Amico, who's running for Senate in Georgia. And we'll be back here next Wednesday to celebrate more of your moments in life. Until then, keep it nuanced, you
1: Dylan Garvin produces The Nuance
0: Life. Elise Knapp is our managing director. The Nuance Life is listener supported. Go to patreon.com slash Life. For $5 each month, you'll receive an entire bonus
1: episode of The Nuance Life. Dante Lima is the composer and performer of our theme music. Dylan
0: Garvin is the composer and performer of our ad music.
1: For more information about The Nuance Life and to connect with us through our weekly email, visit pantsuitpoliticsshow.com.